Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rugby League Talks. I'm Keegs. I'm Jacob. How are we, Matt? And it's been two weeks. Pretty. Yeah. Um, well, if we did one last week, it would have meant that I came in after a Cowboys loss. That wouldn't have been fun. <laughs> but today, we're coming in after a Cowboys win. And that's lots of fun. Yeah. That's, I quite like that. Um, and we also, he's got a new, Jacob's got a new job. As per se, what is it, Jake? Yeah, um, interchange official at Queensland Rugby League, which is uh, bloody awesome. Put simply, uh, after first job, that's as a weekend job, it's the absolute job of a lifetime. It was probably the most fun I've had on the weekend for a while. It's it's just amazing, you know, getting to see the obviously Queensland Rugby League, and you know, I know it's a second tier competition, but it's it's bloody high quality. Because, you know, the players that were on the show that I got to watch, you know, there were some absolutely fantastic, some fine rugby league players out there, not just in Hastings, Deering's, um, but also in the main comp, the Host Plus Cup. Got to watch Albert Kelly. Uh, Kelly, he, he can kick a footy, I'm telling you. He can kick a footy. Uh, Tessie knew was meant to play, but he didn't end up playing. There was a late change that put Tristan Saylor in fullback. who He had a cracking game. Yep. Um, it was, who else was there? Uh, Corey Pakes, of course. Corey played in uh, Hospital's Cup, but his brother, Braden, was a 5'8 in Hastings Deering. Oh, Not too bad of a player himself. Uh, so, yeah, it's just so much that I can talk about. It was just absolutely fantastic game. And obviously between um, South Logan and uh, Wynnum, there's the rivalry, but it's also the Mitch Cronin Memorial Cup because he unfortunately passed away a year ago after representing both teams. So it was a very somber weekend. We had the moment of silence and obviously with our Paul Green, you know, Greenies passing, that was you know, it's pr- pretty rough time around Widow Manly that's kind of been rocked by that last year and Greenie this year. Yeah. So it was an emotional weekend, but when it came down to the footy, it was a great game and yeah, just amazing. Honestly, could not imagine myself doing anything else on a weekend. It was, it was just amazing. Yeah, uh, Jacob loves his footy. I, I love my authority. That's uh, um no. Nah. So yeah, last week uh two weeks ago now it would have been unfortunately that uh Paul Green unfortunately passed. Yeah, um, it's we were unable to comment on it. Um I know Jacob and I have strong feelings about Greeny, like uh we we looked up to him. Uh Jacob Yeah. Uh I would have loved to do something last week to remember Greeny, but um yeah, it's I think we'll just all we can say now is obviously the condolences go out to everyone that's been affected by it, um, yep. especially his family. Uh, if you're struggling with mental health, you know, it's, you know, we're in an era now where it's, it's got to be more acceptable to speak up about it and, not, you know, also be proactive, ask how your mates are going because, you know, put simply, it's sometimes you never know because that's what a lot of people said about Greeny and no one had any idea. And that's another thing. And obviously it's pretty tragic because, he, you know, living in Winner Manly, where I do, like I said about being at the Winner Manly game for the Seagulls, he's such a massive figure there where he won back-to-back premierships, but I'm also a Cowboys fan and he's a massive figure there. So I think it just goes to show how wide-reaching the effects of it are and just how sad it is for those respective communities. Yeah, and um, for those who don't know, uh, um, I was able to go to the Aaron Payne Cup Grand Final uh, on Friday. Uh, my team was participating. Uh, they we we won. We got up. 
Mm. But um, you could just see the vibe around that place. There was a lot to support Paul Green. You know, uh, a couple of Cowboys played for my team uh, when they were in their schoolboys career. Kyle Felt, Cohen Hess, Valentine Holmes, uh, those blokes. And these three blokes really came through the system and got to meet Paul Green. And uh, us boys, we had a minute silence for Paul Green. And then for those who didn't catch it on the 15th minute mark of the game, we all stood up and we clapped for, uh, because 2015, Paul Green. Um, yep. I'd also like to say the last Cowboys home game of the season is the Penny Panthers. Um, so no matter what team, no matter what code, if you could bring, if you could wear your 2015 jersey, again, any code, any team, wear your 2015 jersey to come support Greeny and come support the Cows in their last uh, home game in the regular season. Yeah. Fantastic idea. I'm fully getting behind that. Um, and yeah, pretty much. Let's get um, into that, the round because... Um, yeah, that that happened as well. There was this week of footy yeah. and that's um, Look, to be <laughs> honest, on Saturday night, I didn't really watch a bit. I didn't watch footy. I watched a bit of cricket, bro. Um, oh, yeah? SCG got a bit of a cricket game unexpectedly, so we'll get into that <laughs> later. But this was <laughs> arguably, for me, the game of the round. This was South Sydney yeah. versus Penrith Panthers. Yeah. It was a grind for both teams. Um, the one thing though, you could really see that South's attack has improved so much. However, what was lacking in that regard was their discipline. They could have easily been in that game more if their discipline wasn't, was there. At the moment, Rebels are their own worst enemy. Uh, I said a couple of weeks ago to a mate, that Roosters and Rabbits are the two teams who I can think knock Penrith out of the finals. And mm. Souths, they looked like they could do it. However, that, that first 15 to 20 minutes, they were just plagued with errors and penalties. And because of it, Penrith were able to gain momentum and put con continuous pressure on them. We see that uh, one to six grubbers that uh, six grubbers at Penrith and only one grubber from Souths. Now, Penrith wow. were able to put a lot of pressure on the Souths line, and it's because of Sean O'Sullivan, uh, his kicking game, superb in this game, got two forced, drop, forced dropouts and a 40-20. And they really targeted Jackson Paulo, uh, Jackson Barlow, sorry. And that's where Rabbits were able were lacking they were just continuously getting hit on that edge and Penrith were able to come up with momentum pressure and points uh unfortunately that Jackson Barlow were, is dropped this week um I would also like to say that he did receive death threats over the weekend because of his performance and that's not on no and that's utterly disgusting because we're all fans of rugby league it doesn't yep. matter if a person performs bad or good, it's an off night. And Jackson Barlow has been good for you for this season. Who the, f who the hell cares about your multi? If you can't control your betting and you are then putting all this pressure on this young kid and sending him death threats because you lost five, 
five fifty bucks on a multi. Don't bet on it. Hundred and ten percent. And it's it's probably even worse coming off the back of that past week we've had with Greenies passing. Yeah. And you know, the serious we're we're trying to make mental health something that we can have a serious conversation about and normalize being able to talk about that. But when you've got people sending messages like that to Jackson Barlow, then it's just like what what's it all for? It's just Yeah. It's disgraceful because, you know, we're not gonna sugarcoat it. He he didn't play well, but that doesn't like that's on a footy field. You know, mm. yeah, what happens on a footy field is that's, it's isolated in that. If you have a bad game, you have a bad game. Yeah. At the end of the day, Jackson Barlow is just somebody's son, somebody, he's a person, he's somebody, period. And, you know, receiving some like death threats, like that's, that's just straight up not on. And it's, we've seen it with, you know, it happens time and time again with a lot of NRL players that just keep copying it after they have a bad game or even if they have a good game and ruin someone's multi like it's just it's just incredibly toxic it's so messed up because like we said it's it's footy he's he's doing his best he's giving it a crack and at the end of the day it's players they don't you know anyone that's played sports in their life knows that it's it's very easy to just have a bad game sometimes like i've had some absolute shockers in my time playing different sports whether it was tennis or basketball so when you're at that level the nrl and there's there's a completely different kind of pressure on you you know like when you're going against defense you're going against attacking edges guys like bloody you know o'sullivan managing it edward sweeping out the back and he's got, yeah, I'm not sure who was on. Yeah, that, exactly. That's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's very, 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 very easy to make some suspect reads under that pressure. And for people to be having this kind of reaction to Jackson Barlow having just a bad game, basically, it's just, it's so sad. It's messed up. And it's, it's not the first time it's happened this season. We saw this with Eels fans and Jake Arthur. Um, well, I say, I say Eels fans, but it's not, it's not really Eels fans because I'm sure the majority of them are happy to get behind Jake Arthur, but it's this small contingent of just incredibly toxic rugby league fans who, for some reason in their head, it's acceptable for them to behave this way. And it's just not on. But yeah, honestly, we don't condone any of that, of course, but fuck, I look at it and just think this is a kid. Are yeah. you really putting, like, honestly, centers and wingers probably have the worst job when it comes to defending because they have to make all the defensive reads. And if you they mess it up, yeah. they could cost them the game. And do, and you've got to have real courage to go and do that. And Barlow, he just kept his head up. Good on him. Um, yeah. I hope, he, I hope he's only been rested this week. He hasn't been named to reserves. Honestly, give the kid the week off. Yeah, um, that's and Jason totally the justifiable. Jason Dimitri will look after his players. Uh, he's shown that. Um, but yeah, um, going on to the Penrith Panthers now, I just think, fuck, they look, they look so they good going into finals. They're and without, one of my, without, one of my favorite. <laughs> do it again. Yep. You go. All right. Without Cleary and Luai, Luai coming back this week, Apicosa has put, 
Oof. his own name in the spotlight. And God, hey. give me that number nine jersey for Gangaroos. Yeah, I agree. I I wouldn't mind seeing Appy nine and Grant off the bench, but at the same time, the question of Ben Hunt comes into yeah. it. But Appy, actually, I don't think Appy is representing Kangaroos. I don't, has his, he hasn't explicitly come out and stated that he's playing for anyone at the moment. I know a couple have, like uh, Bart, uh, Junior Parlo, Josh Papaliki. I believe Appy is going to play for Fiji. Okay, yep, Fiji. Okay, well, that's if that's the case, I think you go Hunt and Grant. Yeah, well, he's... On that note, it's Corey Sauer. I think he is one of the best. Obviously, he's one of the best nines in the comp, but what he does well specifically is the way that he makes this read of the defensive line and identifies which line runners he is going to go to when he throws the short ball. And this is such an underrated ability of some of the best nines in the game. Your Harry Grants, your Appy Corey Sowers, your Cam Smiths back when he was playing, but the way that Appy does it is we always use this word shifty when we talk about nines, but the way that he does it is this constant, you never know what he's doing. He doesn't, he's not one of those guys that just rinses and repeats. He has so many different skill sets in his game. You know, he's one of those guys that can put in a great short grabber. He can give good service out wide if they're going to go for that attacking spread he and he can throw that short ball to your line runners and when you have the guys at Penrith who run the lines they do and he just pops it straight on the chest he's one of those guys that he just makes the right decisions Mm. consistently again and again in the attacking zone he reads the game like it's a bloody Harry McClary book at a kid's library it just comes natural to him when he plays like that and it's he's one of my favorite players to watch in the comp at the moment because it's always what sticks out to me it's just he makes the perfect read and it it's so good when you have your players like kick out um lenny when he comes off the bench fisher harris you've got yeah it's very amazing line runners and the fact that he can just he can either choose that or he can go out the back to someone like cleary and it's part of what makes Penrith, I think, such an efficient team in the attacking area. Yeah, I honestly, I love him. Uh, he's, yeah. You can look, like, in the younger grades, you compare him to, like, Hayston Dealing's Colt. No one can do what he does, like, looking at it. He, he's just so independent from anyone else because he manipulates markers and he manipulates those A and B defenders and you just see it I'm like how the hell does ever, does people get fooled by this and then he just does it again and he's like that's rinse and repeats but then he doesn't he only does it very so often you know I, I think he was up yeah. against the Cronulla Sharks a couple of weeks ago he looked to do a grubber into the in goal and he fooled Nico Hines so he just and then he's a good defender. Yeah. And then you just push short ball to like the second rower and they crash over. I'm like, how? What? He just, he, 
First off, just a small side note, he has put his hand up for kangaroo selection, so you were right. All right, cool. Um, and second, Abby Korosau is one of those defenders that makes complex reads look simple, and he makes good defenders look stupid. And that's not a criticism of those good defenders. It's just how brilliant and how brilliantly simple a lot of what Coruscant does in the sense that when you rewatch a try that was set up by Coruscant, you go, of course, it's obvious. You know, like, of course, you see that A and B defender slow to get out of the mark. Your guy's running a short line of, of course, you go to him. But to be able to consistently get it as right as he does, Mm. especially in a comp where the quality of nines, it, there's, there's a wide ranging quality of nines. You know, there's lots of guys coming off the bench at the NRL who don't make those reads. Um, yet for him to consistently do it again and again, it's just, it's just fantastic. And it's, if you're one of those footy nerds who really likes, you know, rewatching plays, seeing what was happening with the line defense, how it was manipulated, he's, he's easily one of your favorite players because of how he does that. Um, so I'm thinking of signing up for under 19s next year. And I was speaking to one of the blokes who plays in the team I'm looking to sign up for. And he goes, we need a hooker. I'm like, all right, I can see what I do. See, I'm, if you don't know, if you haven't seen me in person, I'm a very short guy. <laughs> and so is Appy Corsair. I think Appy's like my height. I'm just a little skinny. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to use Appy as inspiration. And I'm going to watch so much yeah. of his tapes. To see what he does. Yeah, well, you're a small dummy half. It's not just that, but even watching Jake Granville in his prime, there's so much of it. I think Granville, he, he comes a bit of a mean player nowadays just because of Granville his role with the Cowboys. Granville minutes, yeah. But the fact is that when he was at the top of his game, you know, he was he was bloody good. Um, I don't know if I've spoken about it on this podcast before, but just a fun fact about Jake Granville, in 2011, he... When he was coached by Paul Green at Wynn and Manly, he won the Queensland Rugby League competition as a fullback. The next year, they went back-to-back, Paul Green coaching, and Jake Granville played hook-up. So, you know, this is Queensland Rugby League. We spoke earlier this episode about the quality of the competition there. For someone to go winning a comp in fullback and then winning a comp in hook-up, completely different spine positions, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Do you have anything else to say about this game? Because um, that's all my notes. Not gonna lie. Uh, Penrith's forward pack were fantastic. They definitely capitalised on the lack of discipline. Uh, they swam so hard. Yeah, and in addition to that, I actually think that this was. I actually thought Walker was all right, um, mm. but it's you can see that the difference in which edges Penrith were going towards. Walker made twenty five tackles. Ilias only made fourteen. Oh, so God. you can clearly tell you can clearly tell where the attack was being directed, mm. and yeah, it was just a very fascinating game to watch. I think it was the fact that. It, Elias didn't do much of the short range kicking. Not that much short range kicking happened. Yeah. Well, like I said, only one one grubber for South, six to Penny Panthers. So Yeah. And that grubber was kicked by Damien Cook. 
Okay, which yeah. when you've got, yeah, and considering how good Ilias is at forcing restarts, it's just, it feels a very one-sided start, doesn't it? And yeah. I also wanted to chime in and talk about, first and foremost, Penrith, their line runners are absolutely amazing. And there's, there's something Brad Fittler talks about, the deception they have when SOS is coming off the back of Yo. And SOS, I think he's going to be a great pickup for the Dolphins. Wayne Bennett, he's spoken about always wanting to coach him. He's very crafty. Obviously, we spoke about that 40-20, causing the dropouts. And I absolutely cannot wait to watch him with Milford next year. Absolute treat. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be good. Um, so if you do catch it, uh, this is coming out Wednesday. Last night, uh, Storm announced that they're going to make a re-signing and or like a signing slash re-signing. And I said, if this turns out to be Munster re-signing, Dolphins only marquee signing will literally be their main sponsor who makes marquees. <laughs> Game. How good. Thank you. That's great. Moving on to the uh, Cowboys versus Warriors. Now, literally, every time I take notes for the Cowboys games, I literally write only four lines. And my first line every time is let Jacob run wild. But I'm going to say yeah. Falcon first. Um, rest in peace to Tommy Big Nuts Dillion's, uh Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. This is, if you haven't heard the news, Tom Dearden has ruptured his testicle, <laughs> which, um, it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I can't even use any euphemisms to talk about his effort because if I say that he's been busting his nuts for the Cowboys, that's terrible. He's literally been busting his nuts for the Cowboys. Honestly, full credit to the kid. Um, he comes into Saturday morning recovery. He's like, and he just says, he just goes and takes an ice bath, thinking, "Oh, I'll be fine." The that no one knew until he out of the ice bath Saturday morning. So he didn't even tell any of the physio that night. Tommy is... He must have been in so much pain. Oh, the poor bloke. He's one of the toughest guys in the NRL, and it's not even close. Oh. I seriously... I have no idea what goes on in this guy's reign because this is... He's the fittest person in the Cowboys. You know, he was first up Castle Hill in the preseason. No. No, he's not. I got... I got... He was. Cotter. Tell us. All right. Cora. When I went to the Hutchinson building a couple of weeks ago, Hutchinson building being their high performance center, they literally have yep. all the records on the uh, wall and it's Ruben Cotter. He can run, he can do a 1.2K in under four minutes. And there's also wow. a thing called the acid test. The acid test is a assault bike, a row and a skiing and a skiing. So, you know, those things like. Yep. You, you skiing up yeah. in the slopes. Yeah, you have to do that in a certain amount of time, and you have to get thirty k thirty calories off each. So, thirty off the ex- exercise bike, thirty off the rower, and thirty off the skiing. Or yeah. they did that in a minute thirty. Yes, River and Carter. He, I know guys who have thrown up on that acid test. That is insane. 
So Ruben Goddard, he is. I've heard I've heard stories about how committed he is to rehab, but stories like that they really find us. The Cowboys, they're a team built just on that pure dedication fitness. Mm. And you've got guys like Cotter and Dearden who he Dearden is always a guy that is just constantly trying to make every tackle he can on his edge when guys aren't covering. He's constantly chasing. He's just a flat-out competitor. He's got the best attitude. And Ruben Cotter, he exact same, like you said, he's just incredibly fit, you know, to crash that out in a minute and a half when other guys would be throwing up. Mm. And you see it in his play. Like, he played 80 minutes in Origin 1 in the middle and then in second row, and he said that second row was easy. Um, so that's that pretty much explains Ruben Cotter and his fitness, and it's exactly what the Cowboys are building because you've also got guys like Reese Robson, who's an 80-minute hooker. You've got guys like Chad and Dearden who are topping the Telstra tracker every now and then. You've got... It's just ridiculous. Um, and, and also, the culture around everyone, uh, culture is a big thing we spoke about with the Cowboys this year. Even the staff does it. I, th- I think I've mentioned this before, but they, if someone is late to work at the Cowboys Center, no matter who you are, you have to do an 8K row in under 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is well. That pretty much speaks to the culture. Yeah, it's, I was. It's a hardworking team. I was in a division room. Um, I like to call it the war room because they do all their vision and all their planning in that room. Yeah. And some one of the I can't remember his name for the life of me. He's one of the um, data analytics blokes who like does all the fitness with the cows and right. says, sorry i'm late how to do the 8k and and then i was like whoa that's wow that is much that is incredible yeah and it's on that note that if we look at the cowboys this game against the warriors i think that's one of the it's what it's one of the best that we've looked this year um yeah no not just because it's against the Warriors, but it's the basic things. You know, earlier on when the team got a penalty awarded to them, you could see Tommy Dearden, he's yelling at absolutely everyone to get in the huddle, everyone to start just, they're all patting each other back, cheering each other on. You can see how excited they get. Mm. And it was the same thing later in the game when they forced Dallin Wateniza-Lesniak back into the end goal. It reminded me of some of the Cowboys' early season plays. And it was at that moment where I was like, yep, I know exactly what team we're getting today. Yeah. Um, on top of that, errors and penalties, though, were our main downfall. 14 to 12 errors uh, going Warriors race. So the Warriors had the least amount of errors in this game with 12. Mm. So I think, yeah, we're up against Warriors, and I think we can let that slide. No disrespect. But we're up against Souths this week, and then we've got Penny Panthers, I believe. So if we, we yeah. get those errors in check, you know, that's going to be difficult now that uh, Tom Big Nuts Dearden isn't there. But mm. 
Uh, we got Drinky in six and Emma in one. So that's it's exciting. Uh, yeah. Uh, Drinky going back to his old race. Uh, keen to see how he does. Uh, I don't think it would be too different because um, Drinky does do a lot of kicking. Yeah. Um, even when he's at fullback. I just think his lot, um, where he'll be in attacking lines will be where it's different. So, like, he won't do swing plays. He'll be more of that running into the line and, like, doing jockey plays, if you know what I mean. Yeah, playing second receiver, going yeah. out the back, instead of being the third receiver in that shape. Yeah. But something I want to point out is against the Warriors, um, Jason Tamalolo was one of our primary ball players at a lot of different points. Mm. And we can see this because he's touched the ball 20 times and he's passed the ball five times. And we kind of did a similar thing with Kyle, but it was more prevalent with Tamalolo because he played second receiver at a lot of points. Um, the Cowboys, one of their first tries was... Oh. Well, sorry. It was off the back of two consecutive shifts. They shifted the ball right where Jason Tamalolo was playing second receiver on that shift, I think. Yeah. And then they did the same thing the next play when that didn't work. Jason Tamalolo, second receiver, um, playing out of the back of Chad and then getting it back onto Dearden, who then gets it onto Drinkwater. So you've got four playmakers in that stretch. And it was a fascinating usage of Tamalolo that I wanted to point out about the ball playing. And I think attacking structures, what it might look like is we do see those plays where the ball goes out to Chad first, then it goes out to Zella, then it goes out to drink water. Yeah. Because Emma's sweep plays are not really his specialty. He is one of those fullbacks where he's a great defensive organizer. So I don't think he's going to let us down in that regard. And he's definitely a support runner. You know, he's more of a, you know, turbo, you know, older, Tedesco, go through the middle kind of fullback, you know, versus Drinkwater, Gutho, Luttrell, those kind of trio-shaped ball-playing fullbacks. Um, if that's the case, do we see Hitu do what he did early in the season and do that sweet play? So, like, um, if you don't know what I'm talking about for the audience, there'd be a lot of plays where Drinky would uh, come out of position and Hiku would take his spot and he would be, like, the yeah. receiver and he'll be come from the right side of the field to the left. Yeah, he would wrap around and he'd play fullback at some points because Drinkwater would have been tackled on the previous play. Yeah. Uh, the reason I love that also, I, I know I speak about it so much I love that, but... Yeah. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> um, it just gives Drinkwater this license to run the ball. And it's the same thing that Reese Robson, he loves running the ball on the fourth tackle. Yeah. And if this was any other hooker in the comp, it, it wouldn't be great. The reason being, because it would take away the service that your primary kicker is getting on fifth tackle options. Mm. But because we have Dearden, who has done a fantastic job at basically playing hooker when Robinson gets tackled, uh, his service has been great to either Drinkwater or Townsend. So having that extra kicking option means that Robson is allowed to run on the fourth 
and you don't lose any kicking options um, by having one of your halves go into dummy half. So you don't lose the service, you don't lose the kicking options, and you gain the extra attack uh, versatility in the dummy half running on fourth. That's just another small detail about the Cowboys. Um, it feels like watching someone redesign an engine in the most efficient way possible, what Peyton has done with this team. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, he said it in his face-to-face with Matty Johns. I, um, a lot like the 2005 Tiger squad, you utilize everyone's strengths, and that's exactly what Toddy's done in this side. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm sorry to see what happens in the finals. Honestly, Jacob might get up. Uh, Jacob will be, oh, yeah, don't know. With this one, I don't, I don't know if Cows will do, will make it late into the finals. I have a feeling because currently they're versing Storm in week one of finals. I, I, I don't know if they can win that, eh? If money keeps playing the way he is, I think we lose round one. And then reverse like maybe Parramatta, and then maybe we beat Pam. I I think we can beat Parramatta there. So maybe we make week three. I just contradict myself because I'm an idiot. But I think currently, Cowboys in the finals will be tough. They'll have to do the long road to get to the premiership. I'm a cow believer. All right, there it is. There it is. That's all I'll say. Um, I'm a Cowboy Evil. Again, also, I'm a Raiders fan, so my opinion isn't valid when I'm talking about the Cowboys. Um, moving on. <laughs> Broncos, 66 missed tackles against the Storm. Uh, they, this is the first real sign of the round when cricket started to be played. Honestly, I don't know what the hell happened to the Broncos. You can honestly see what miss with no pa- Patrick Cowgan what it's done to the side in the middle. The middle has just become lazy and it's become very sore and tired early on. And it's just, that just allows them to leak points later on in the game. You know, um, I think Chad Townsend says it. You win the game early, but score the points late. And I think that's not what Storm did, but... They won the game early and scored the points throughout the entire game. Um, the first try that the Broncos got was off a intercept because Xavier Coast was getting forced out of touch and Kurt Capel just happened to be there and scored. But that was very funny. That was funny. Um, but defensively, I've never seen the Broncos so bad you know they had that that uh not good season last year and the awful season the year before but they weren't leaking 66 tackles yeah well i think it's weird um 63 possession for melbourne see that's a, that's a killer that's yeah absolutely if get, massive if you get Anything over 55, you're lucky. That's, yeah. So to be a bloody 63 is, it's ridiculous. And when you look at how efficient they were with their possession, 
you know, the Broncos, they just kept making tackle after tackle after tackle. And eventually that's going to wear you down. Mm. You know, you can't really do that that long. And Melbourne, they're one of those teams where they just burst through the middle if you're not quite there. And that's, you know, we can see that that's what they did. You look at the stats, they had nine line breaks to the Broncos three. They busted 66 tackles, as you said. And their average set distance was just an extra 10 meters. Ridiculous. Um, I will say, Broncos did find Storm out on the edges a couple times. You, you'll see that the Storm, they like to have a compact, a compact defensive line. So then they can easily win the ruck. So then if teams just go run out, one out they can just tackle and then win the ruck there and win the tackle uh and people have different definitions of vanilla tackle my definition of vanilla tackle is you get someone flat on their back and you slow the play to ball down that's exactly what storm did in this game but the weakness of doing that is that your edges are unmarked so there could be like 15 to 20 meters of from the sideline to your winger. And Reynolds was able to see it and he kicked the Cobo and Cobo got some good meters and Storm just scrambled and props to Broncos for doing that. That's smart. Uh, Nico Hines did it earlier in the season and that's what last season, what Storm lost by is they got sand out on the edges and Teams expanded early, and that's how Penrith have been able to beat them uh, recently. Yeah, well, it's it's been very fascinating to see the strategic element of how Melbourne play because they they're the weirdest team in the NRL for me. Because if you look at how some of the other teams work, where they play this grinding them down style, and they have these kind of elaborate set plays, but Melbourne. They're not a team that they do things and I go, wow, that's a very clever designed play or anything like that. You know, especially the, not the same way that I go for Penrith, uh, or at least when I talk about Penrith or when I talk about any other teams towards the top, you know, even Parramatta. Um, they're one of those teams that just seem to wear opponents down physically and then score off sheer brilliance, really, just the athleticism of their players. And you know, it's not, I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't work because it clearly does, but it's such a fascinating style of winning it. I feel like last year we saw this in finals, how weird that kind of footy is against teams like Penrith who will grind you down. Mm. And that's, it's fascinating because it's, one of those styles of footy, when, when it doesn't work, they end up losing those tight games. But when it does work, they just blow teams up. It's very, very different, like you said. And it's, it's a good kind of footy to watch because it's interesting to watch. And it's effective because other teams don't play like that sometimes. Real. <laughs> it's, that's all I have to say. Um, it's just fascinating. Got a quick question for you. Yeah. As a man recently, 
Yes. Good good in offense. Not so good in defense. Yeah. He... Tyson Gamble. I'm going to throw that name around. What do you think of when I say Tyson Gamble? Um, I'm, I'm an Albert Kelly believer. Ooh. That's what I am. I am an Albert Kelly believer. The thing is, though, Tyson Gamble, had, when he's played for Broncos. Undefeated this year, isn't he? Undefeated. But they've also, this is before the major statistic that this game came out. He, they would concede 12 less points when Gamble played than when Ezra played. Yeah, it's... And then they also score, I think it was on average two plus points than uh, Gamble played. Yeah, well, it's it's very fascinating because Ezra Mann, I don't think it's his lack of effort. I just think it's his size and there's a certain small halves they kind of need to defend in a certain style. Uh, we see this with guys like uh, JT. For example, he was very small. Uh, Dearden at the moment, some other small good defensive halves. Just going back to the old times, I don't know about calling Chris Sandow a good defender, but he could definitely put his shot on. Mm. Uh, he, he loved to put his shot on, actually. So, yeah, there's a certain style that they kind of need to play with. Uh, Gamble, it's... Gamble's funny. I... He brings a certain attitude to the team. Yeah. He's got that. He's got that passion, and that's why you see where he did play because he did play a solid six games in a row for them. Uh, he won them all, of course. And there was another game against the Titans, like in round twelve, where he kicked for four hundred and forty meters, forced two dropouts, um, touched the ball fifty-four times. I think this was. Was this one in partnership with Albert Kelly? I'm not Albert Kelly. I'm Ezra Mann. Not sure. But Is it against Newcastle? I, yes. Not against Newcastle. It was against Titans. But I think, I think those were a few weeks where um, Reynolds, Reynolds was missing. Yeah. I, I, so what I've just said is that I am an Albert Kelly believer. Yeah. And the reasoning behind that isn't just of this season performances. Obviously, that's all we really have. But go back to round one. Albert Kelly was named seven for the Brisbane Broncos. Adam Reynolds was injured. Uh, they win the game, 11-4. to four. Albert, he scores a try. He yep. kicks for 544 metres. Touches the ball 57 times. And runs for 146 meters, which is pretty impressive as a half. Now, on the back of that performance, Albert Kelly was named as starting 5'8 for three consecutive performances after that by Kevy. And then he uh, only two shoes. No, no. He, that, I know that we all like to bring out the pain Haas thing, but what happened is he got injured against the Warriors. Yeah, fuck. Still fine. <laughs> But after that injury against the Warriors, he was out for a bit. But he's just recently made his return to Queensland Cup. Yep. I had the pleasure of watching him play on the weekend as part of my job. Um, and I tell you what, he, I think his performances last season, 
uh, for the Brisbane Broncos. He played eight games. He forced four dropouts, set up six tries, mm-hmm. averaged 81 meters. He, he was fantastic. He was probably one of the shining lights in that Broncos team. He was a key part of the team that beat the Roosters last year. I don't know if anyone remembers this game, but it was around the middle of the season last year. Broncos versus Roosters, and they came away with the win. And I do, I do. I believe it was Sawali's debut as well. But a big part of that was yeah, off the back of Albert Kelly's kicking game. Mm. Oh, the Victor incident. I remember yeah, that. You got uh, Simbin tried. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I was at the Winner Manly Leagues Club when that game happened for, I believe it was my birthday dinner, and we all watched that game. It was. I was pretty happy about that. And it's games like that where you see Albert Kelly really shine with his kicking game in particular. Yep. I think pairing him with Reynolds, uh, you get these two co-organizing roles on the field. Mm-hmm. Kelly, if Reynolds isn't kicking well, he, he can either keep going or the pressure could go off him to Kelly. Yeah. He can slog a 40-20 when he wants to. See, we saw at the start of the season where he racked up 544 kicking meters. And also just because I like watching him play. Uh, he's one of those guys, he strikes the ball well when he kicks it. Yep. Drives it hard, flat, downfield. There's a reason that Kevy picked him. There's a reason that, you know, at the start of the season, Kevy looked at Albert Kelly and he said, yep, you're the guy that's playing with Adam Reynolds. And it was off the back of how well he was playing last year. Because I know his name has kind of faded out. You know, Broncos fans, they're not talking about Albert Kelly at the moment. But I think it's a bit unfair to him considering his performances for the club last year and at the start of this year where, you know, in his first two games for them, they, he won both of them this year. Yeah, yeah that's pretty fair. I, I like your argument. Um, yeah, I, I, you convinced me. You always And that's, me. yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> only... Becoming a lawyer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, my, my job as a lawyer will just be explaining why teams should pick 50-year-old Albert Kelly at that point. <laughs> oh. um, shall we move on? We should. Alrighty. Um, we should. Now, I'm going to be honest. One, two, three, four, five. These next five games didn't care about a lot. Yeah. Um, not not, not really that interesting. No. Um, I will say that Mitchell Moses came back from injury from an ouchy finger. Mm. Um, he gets two tries and so does Dylan Brown. Uh, these, Dylan Brown, again, has been so good this year. Um, he'll be the Kiwi 6 with Jerome Hughes being the Kiwi 7. That's a yeah. combo, honestly. Uh, we saw yeah. again wow. Tonga uh, two months ago, so that that's going to be good. Um, can't wait to see how these blokes go in finals. I know we say it every year, or oh, really they'll go good in finals, <laughs> and then they throw the bag in. Yeah, well, I don't even think they played that badly in finals last year. No, they, uh, they, they came pretty close to beating Penrith, if I remember correctly. If it wasn't uh, for Barlow knocking the ball on, uh, oh, it was devastating. I think they would have got that. Right. was rough. Yeah, that was very rough. Yeah. I know, because but usually when in football games, I look at my phone throughout this game. I didn't look at it 
and then I'm like on the edge of my seat. So Eels can produce some good footy when they want to. It's just a matter of what time do you have the Eels? Do you have them at the beginning of the year when they're like looking good? Or do you have them in the middle of the year where they're like up and down? So yeah. it'll be well, interesting to see what Eels show up in the finals. Yeah. Well, as we spoke about, this was, this was Mitch Moses. He came back and he was absolutely cracking, as was Dylan Brown. I think watching them work together is an absolute joy because of how well they complement each other. They're two halves who can both run the ball incredibly well. But other than that, their strengths are very, they're very different. Dylan Brown, he runs the ball like a pure running player. He reminds me a bit of Joey Manu when he plays at six, except he's obviously not that extreme. Except he's he does still a records. Yeah, well, he's again. Yeah, he he sacrifices the few hundred meters per game aspect, so he can throw these really sweet cutouts when he wants to. Yeah, he can ball play. He's playing more on his preferred side this year, and it's working fantastic for him. Uh, Moses, he took the line on hips too. He ran the ball eleven times. Uh, Dylan Brown twelve, which is. Great versatility to help keep the defensive line honest. Mm. Both of them breaking a few tackles. And that's it's pretty much what you want from your half of them to do it. What I think was particularly fascinating was that Dylan Brown touched the ball more than Mitchell Moses did. Yeah, right. He touched the ball 52 times compared to Moses' 47. And I love when you see that just equal range between them because it means that it keeps teams guessing. You know, they don't exactly know where it's going. Uh, in terms of pressure building, Mitch Moses with five grubbers, Dylan Brown with two. So you can very much tell what the Eels' attitude was. They had plenty of ball in the attacking half where they could put on those attacking kicks and try and set up tries. And put simply, they just, they they tore them to shreds. Uh, that's That's really what they did. They just absolutely tore them to shreds. And you can see that on the scoreboard, the 42 to 6, that it wasn't even like a major forward pack thing because their average set distance was 42.55 to 38.75. Yeah, wow. So it's not not that much of a massive distance, just four meters per set. But other than that, it was just the parallel. They just, they click. Yeah. Oh, speaking of forwards, by the way, Tavita Pangai Jr. has been dropped to reserve grade. Yeah, I, that was, I don't know. I feel like maybe they're just trying to get Penguin to have some Digger. time where he's just, yeah, I don't know, picking up because he only played 32 minutes on the weekend, mm. which isn't much. So it could be a match fitness thing. Yeah, true. I just think his offloads are so effective when you have him in the middle and like, yeah, should he be your 13? I think so. It's just yeah, it's how much game time are you willing to give him? Yeah, well, he's he's been a very effective player. He's a fantastic runner of the ball. He's a fantastic offloader of the ball. And I think the more simple his job becomes, you know, if you just throw him in the middle and he just plays defense from there, he's fantastic. If you put him at second row where he's going to make a bunch of defensive reads. Yeah. Mm. 
Look, honestly, he doesn't really have the same freedom in terms of, you know, his job as a line runner, you just run at the halves. Uh, he's, he's not really a David Tafita type player. He's a powerful ball runner, but he, he likes to use his craft as well as his power up the middle. And I think it's what makes Pangai so effective in that role. Yeah. Look, honestly, players are coached in different ways. You know, uh, you can, yeah. sometimes you have a player, if you give him too much information, he doesn't know what to do and he just has a brain fart. Where, yeah. Uh, Toddy Payton said this uh, a couple of weeks ago, the elite players want to be coached and told what to do. And in some blokes, all they need is a simple message. And sometimes that comes with your forwards. You give a forward a simple message, they do it and they succeed. Um, yeah. A second row, for instance, you tell him your main goal in this game is to run at the half. He will run at that half no matter where he is on the field. He will swerve to get to that half and just belt the half. So then half yeah. is limited in what he can do in attack. I've seen it happen, it like in schoolboys too. It's works. Yeah, hey. it's like the um, you know, the bullfighters holding up the red flag. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like when you've got that number seven on your jersey, you've just got second rowers running lines at you all night. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't think there's really much more that can be. No, I don't. Is there anything in your notes for that um, game? Because it's just no. I'll, I'll just show you my notes here. It was just, <laughs> let me take a look at this. Yeah, no, the, not much. Yeah. Not no. much on Keegs, no pad at all. It was just a classic Parramatta ass whooping, um, which they, usually they don't do that. They don't really put the sword to a team. No. They obviously did this time, and it was, it was good to watch because Parramatta at their best, they love offloading the ball, playing second phase. Mm. Obviously, the halfback Moses is like, he's hot. You can tell he's a 5'8 and a halfback's body. He still organizes and manages the game, but he loves to take the line on. Yeah. And it, they're just an entertaining team. I can say the same thing of that Nico Hines. What a beautiful segue. Mm. Nico Hines. Oh, my God. What the, f what the hell's happened to Manly, bro? They look so good. Even without Turbo, they were looking so good. And then they just die in the ass because of a rainbow. Yeah, no, well, I think they oh, had a rainbow, but COVID. Oh, that's right. That nothing happened. Yeah. Nothing happened. That's based on religion. <laughs> it was all COVID. So yeah, this was, um, not fantastic when Bailey Sherry Evans is running for more meters than a lot of your forwards. Holy that's it's a bit of an issue. Um. Josh Gustav played to 49 minutes and he ran the ball from 15 meters. Now, yeah, he took two hit-ups. The problem there is that Schuster was given the ball 14 times and he passed the ball 10 times. I now... He was playing second row. Exactly. There's your problem. You can't touch the ball 14 times and pass it 10 times as a second rower. And especially also because Schuster, his average play the ball speed was 4.5 seconds. That's not, no, that's not good. You can tell that is what will be next year. Yeah. He, you know, he's, he's passing the ball more than a lot of halves do when he plays second rower. 
and that's not body and you're a good exactly exactly and that's the problem you know defenders when schuster gets the ball they know that he's gonna pass it and you know surely this is a conversation that dares is having with him where he's saying mate you're an absolute unit right like this is josh schuster he's not small but for him to be just constantly throwing the ball around that's what he's doing he's throwing it around he's played 49 minutes and he ran for 15 meters Two hit-ups. He ran the ball twice. Manly had 15 meters. They've thrown their season away. They could have... I reckon they could have easily gotten back into finals contention, but they threw it away. They've got... 15 meters, bro. Can you... Are you as... Are you in belief of this? I... Look. It's... um, It's manly. I'm not surprised. He's touched the ball 14 times and passed it 10 times. A second rower. Well, I know. It's ridiculous. You've got to be taking the line off. I would have fed it to one of my players oh. if he did that. That's, oh, it's so frustrating because he's always doing the no-look passes as well. Yeah. Just, uh, it's, you can tell that he's, you can tell he's a half. Oh, yeah. As weird as that sounds, you can kind of tell that that's where his head is. But. He's not a half yet. <laughs> and if you look at some other guys who played that role, for example, if you look at um, Sutton back when he was at the Rabbitohs, for example, mm-hmm. he, he played in a lot of places. He played in the halves. He played in that lock role. He played in second rower. Played five. Right? He, yeah, exactly. He knew what his role was. Mm-hmm. But Schuster, I think, is... I refuse to believe this is an intentional thing that Des has set out. I give him too much credit as a premiership winning coach to think that Des Hasler is deliberately having his second rower pass the ball every single time. Mm. It just, you know, like people talk about David Fafita and they say he doesn't love the ball at all. Rubbish. That's, they've, you've got to watch this. Oh. And that's, it's not backing Schuster either because I actually do, as, as much as he crops a lot of criticism, I actually do believe that he's an incredibly skillful player. Mm, he's got fantastic ball playing when he's on, but it's just, you've got, you've got a certain role as a forward, right? You, you've got to be ready. You can't move the wall sideways every time unless you're James Tedesco. You know, unless you're Michael Morgan in the 2015 Grand Final, you can't you can't keep playing sideways. You have to go forward. You know, this is I don't know if you've seen the video of Kevin Walters absolutely spraying the Broncos at um training one day. Yes, but I was there. Yeah, what he is doing? Kick the ball effing forward. You know, and that's I feel like it's the same situation here because especially when it's the Sharks, mm-hmm. you know, they will absolutely punish you. We've spoken about this before, their method of having their wingers take their runs. Matt Ikevalu with 235 run meters, that's their fill-in winger. Their fill-in winger is casually showing up and running 200 meters on you. Lachlan Miller, 197. Rainium, 109. Tracy, 125. Multalo, 160. That team's not hopping sideways. They're going forward. Their back five is so good. I reckon their back five is underrated. You talk about Penrith's back five. You've got Sharks here. 
absolutely killing it week in, week out. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely contenders in my eyes. Um, it could easily be them and Penrith in the grand final this year. Yeah, well, they have the same strategy that New South Wales did, and we've spoken about this a few times. Get that back five to make the meters and let your forwards handle the dirty work. I and like we said, that's fantastic. Yeah. When we did the origin preview a couple of months ago, we go, oh, we should get Corey Oates in here because like, kick me, like, kick me to returns and he can get us yeah. forward. He gets caught in the origin and you were right. And we're like, fuck, this web geniuses, all right? <laughs> Imagine how much we would have won by if Mazu was eligible. Yeah, look, we don't mention that part, okay? <laughs> we don't talk about that anymore. No. Um, but yeah, that's Penrith, uh, not Penrith, the Sharks, they, they just do fantastic with getting their forwards to do the dirty work. And it's something that you see their run meters absolutely dominating manly. Set distance, they had nearly an extra 10 meters in their sets. And also their play the wall speed was quicker. They pretty much just outclassed manly in every possible way that they could have outclassed manly. And, you know, like we said, when you're, when you're forward, who's going on after you're subbed on, which, you know, if you're a forward in the middle of the game, you're going against a more tired defensive line. You especially need to be running the ball forward. 100%. Um, so that's even more concerning about that usage of Schuster. And I really hope that is something mainly addressed because I think we need to do a post on that, I reckon. Yeah. Um, Schuster and his propensity to, you know, shovel the ball on. Yeah. Because put simply, I think that was... It wasn't the only factor in the scoreboard. It'd be stupid if I acted like it was because the reality is that Sharks were just a level above. Mm. But, you know, it's it sets a general message across your forwards, I think. You have to take the ball forward. And when you've got a guy passing 10 out of 14 times, he touches the ball, only running it twice for 15 metres. You know, there's, there's forwards in this comp, Aaron Clark... Jason Tamalolo, who when they run it, they, you know, Tino Fasamalali, they they just get like eight meters, eight to 10 meters for free sometimes. Yeah, it's unreal. And you, you can't, you know, and that kind of puts into perspective just how, you know, 15 meters in 15 minutes. It's like, wow, you know, because your second row is they're your line runners, right? They're the ones that help you go forward. But yeah, that's just, that's my weekly outrage. This is me yelling at a cloud. Please, Joshua Stuff, run the ball more. Wow. You're a big body. You're a powerful guy. You're a skillful player. But your skill's only going to work if teams don't know what you're going to do. The problem is teams know exactly what you're doing. All right. Well, to save uh, Jacob's rage, I'm going to move on to uh, the <laughs> cricket game. Everyone laugh at the Tigers. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, everybody loves so, James Tarmo. Ha, 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 ha. But no, anyway. I don't want to laugh at Tarmo. He's, what I do want to laugh at is, if, any, if no one's seen it, the Tiger Center of Excellence. Um, They've got a thing of Benji Marshall up there. One, it's riddled with incorrect grammar everywhere. Two, they've said that Benji Marshall has won a premiership with the Dragons at the Tiger Center of Excellence. Okay, when they post, yeah, when they introduced that thing on TikTok, 
Um, I, I I wanted to comment so bad on on it. Said if it's a sense of excellence, why haven't you guys won a game in like five weeks? Well, it's not even that, but because you know Rome isn't built in the day. But it's when your actual center of excellence, Benji Marshall is the West Tigers. Oh yeah, that that is the charisma of the club. Everything that is cool about West Tigers that makes like one in five hundred people want to be a West Tigers fan, it's Benji. It's that flick pass. Yep. It's the fact that he, you know, that's what that team is. When I see people wearing Tigers merch, you know, the, the cool ones, they're rocking that 2005 jersey with the bucket hats. That's what I'm seeing at Magic around all that. So, you know, for this, um, for them to get something so obliviously wrong about a club legend, this isn't just anyone. It's not just a French player. Yeah, it just shows the attention to detail. That is terrible. Um, and that was only one thing that we laughed at the Tigers for because the flip of the coin is the West Tigers actually play in the National Rugby League. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> which, which means that they play footy every weekend and we get subjected to score lines such as 72 to 6. Um, Look, to be honest... I am very half tempted to, I'm not half tempted. I'm thinking that Storm Tree from Tuesday night is saying that nothing, David Nofaluma is staying with Storm. Or, I love that. Or that Adam Dewey's going. I don't know about Dewey, but what I do know is that Nofaluma, I've never seen him that happy. Yeah, if the stories, yeah, the stories of him at West, you know, that's a man that was just completely broken, you know, coming up to training late, hungover, whatever. Um, that's a guy that just was not enjoying his footy. And we've spoken about it before. If you don't love your footy, you get situations like Anthony Milford, um, James Roberts, just guys who just don't really want to be out there. But Nofaluma, he's having the absolute time of his life. And honestly, he's in career best form too. He um, he gets to finish his tries the way he does, but he's also he's getting the hit ups. He absolutely loves being part of that team. By the looks of it, that's honestly if he gets there, good for him. Yeah, because we see a consistent thing at Wests where players just do not want to be there. You know, Isaiah Papali, Luciano, Leilua, Mitchell, Moses. He really just goes on and on. Half and when you, yeah, look, when you have that many players leaving a club. I don't think it's the players that are a problem. Yeah. And unfortunately, that culminates in games like this. James Tamo, um, by all accounts, people that I've spoken to that have spoken to him, he's actually a very nice, very mild-mannered guy. Um, so to see him like this, obviously, he was very frustrated. I think he did everything he could to take accountability in the press conference. Yeah. I think ball marks because he was straight up just saying, yep, I've messed this one up and yeah, and he looked absolutely broken, um, which I just sad to see because, you know, just a few years ago, Captain Penrith to a grand final, um, but he was very successful with the Cowboys. He was a representative forward. Um, and he's still, I actually still think he's an all right player. Um, I've criticized some of his performances earlier at the start of the year, but you know, the game that he had that, that wasn't too bad at all. Um, let's see, what did he do? Four offloads, 
He had an average play the ball speed of 2.89 seconds of seven hit-ups, which is, if, you, if you're not familiar with the nerd speak, it's good. It's very good. And that's the kind of, you know, that's the play he is. He's a guy that takes the hit-ups, he makes your tackles, and he gets you quick play the ball so your dummy half can play off the back of that. And obviously we saw his effectiveness at Penrith doing that. His effectiveness at Wests, where their forward pack gets absolutely flogged every week, is a bit different. Mm. Here are some some key stats here. Possession was very tilted, 61% to Roosters, just less than what Melbourne had. But they had over twice as many run meters, over twice as many, 2,110 to 1,052. And what else? Average set distance, only eight, eight meters more. Tigers technically winning the rock. 3.53 seconds each playable. Um, but other than that, it was just... Look, I'm going to be honest here. Because I've been thinking about it. That was a... That was a dumb penalty for them to call. Because... What happened was... You can just see it. Like, they're, they're in momentum falling down. And they go, oh, penalty. And it's like, what... And you can see Tamo blow up. Like, like that's, that, that was a dumb penalty. And, you know, yeah. He shouldn't have said it, but, like, he's coming in a bad place. And I'm yeah, angry it's, too. You yeah. It, you could held, and they're falling to the ground while you're saying it, and then you give them a penalty because of it. What else? Do you yeah, about? it's, it's pretty sad. Um. The situation as a whole, absolutely, as much as I've just made fun of the Tigers and just absolutely blasted them for the past five minutes, they're actually, I feel bad for the players and I feel bad for the fans. Yeah. I, I don't know how bad I feel for management, I guess, you know, they're, they're people at the end of the day. Um, I have great respect for them in regards to respecting them as people. But as the managers of a football club, they do so many things that are very questionable. And so obviously Tigers fans aren't happy with that because they are the ones that pop the questionable decisions, not me. Mm. I'm not a Tigers fan. But obviously it culminates in games like this where Roosters, they, they, they would have done this to any team. Oh. But... It was the drama surrounding the game, which is what made it uniquely West's fighters. Yep. It was the... Yeah, well, it was the situation with Tamo coming off the back of the week with the Benji Marshall thing at the center of excellence. This is... That that until you said it, by the way. You should should see it. It's pretty atrocious. Um, they also called, uh, they said Robbie Farrow was the hooker that broke the drought of Queensland's nine-year origin dominance. For starters, um, it was eight years. It was not nine years. Uh, second, I'm pretty sure Robbie Farrow was not. Let me check it now. 2014 origin series. Game two. I'm not sure how... I'm sure I could be wrong, but I don't remember Robbie Farrow being. I think it was making it. The guy. Oh no, it was Robbie Farrow all three games. Yeah, that's off it. Yeah, I sorry, I got it confused. It was 2015 and McInnes. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah, that's man. He played eighty in all the games. Yep, that's that's full credit to Robbie Farah. I guess the issue there is the fact that they've set nine year origin dominance, which makes you question whether the people that were watching it, the people that made it up, were actually, you know, footing people. Because yeah, come on, you know, Benji Marshall, Dragons, nine year origin dominance, incorrect grim everywhere. Ridiculous. What's going on? What what is compelling any of this? And it's you know, it's why you look at the West Tigers in this situation, not whether this isn't why they're losing, but it's why they've, you know, ran into this sustained period of mediocrity. They're too busy, you know, you've got these Exchanges where Lee Hadjib and Talis are saying he's not listening to people unless they're members. Um, you've got these situations where they're charging how much money so you can go and meet, I think it was Scott Prince in Brisbane. <laughs> You're charging your players, your fans to meet players like, like 40 bucks. Yeah, it was probably something like that. It's just such a, you know, not even in your own. Home ground, mind you. This, this was in Brisbane. They're charging people outside of their home base to meet fans, that, that to meet players that don't live. It's just so odd. It is. It's so dumb. And it's, you know, you've got your two clubs that are just being ran weirdly at the moment. They're all in front of Australia. It's the Essendon Football Club and the AFL, and it's the West Tigers and the NRL. It's so dumb. But I think and it's, it's on. Yeah, that's that's tiger. Honestly, that I've said all of that, and we haven't even spoken about the actual footy element. Uh, Roosters, yeah, basically, I think that's all yeah. to say. Roosters, good footy. Roosters, good footy. Tigers, bad footy. Very bad footy. Not winning any of their tackles. Um, not winning any of their hit ups. Yep. Uh, Dragons versus Titans. I think we only do this a quick. Is an honorable member that's uh, Raiders. Yeah. I didn't win this game. Uh, I didn't watch this game because I was at Queensland Rugby League duties. I, I, I didn't pop up. Uh, I don't like watching Titans games. They yeah. Um, I will say this. 259 run meters from Jaden Campbell. He was been good. Um, it looks like he won't be playing next season at fullbacks because of the foreign coming into the club. Uh, so AJ yeah. Williamson will go back to fullback. I know, I don't mind fullback. Uh, Maybe. There's, don't rule out the possibility of foreign playing seven. That's true. But then there's also Tenor Boyd. There's Tenor Boyd. I've loved Tenor Boyd. I've loved him much more than I thought I would. Um, he did. But it also means I get to watch Sexton this weekend at my job. Um, but Tanner Boyd, he reminds me a bit of Townsend in terms of his presence uh, outside the ball playing 13, the same as Sherry Evans outside of um, Draboyevich and Cleary outside of Yori in terms of the angle that he runs at, yeah. the way that he uses it to engage the line and spread the attack. And it's just a very nice thing that he does. 
he's a very versatile player. He can force a restart. He can, he's one of those guys that really, he can just do it all. Yeah. And he's been such a joy to watch and his attitude towards playing as well. Great body language. You know, he's a guy that just, he's always getting into it when he's playing. He's a guy that's happy to play whatever role he has to, whether it's a utility, whether it's a halfback. And his role as a halfback, I've liked him much more than I thought I would. Because at 5'8", he wasn't taking much of the playmaking duties. He wasn't doing anything of that sort. Um, Same situation when he was playing, you know, off the bench as a hooker. But what we're seeing now is he's happy to manage the game. He's happy to communicate. He plays out the back. And honestly, I think the Titans have actually improved a bit. Um, Yeah playing with him, at least in attack. You know, they're definitely piling on a bit more points than they were before, which sucks to say, because I absolutely love Toby Sexton. Um, one of my favorite young playmates in the game. But it's very fascinating to see what the Titans' spine looks like next year, because I don't think there's any consensus about what it looks like. Mm, I don't know. We'll have to see. But I don't think there's really anything more we can talk about in this game, except... You know, Dragon's good. Jack Bird, good. Uh, free ro- him, free roaming's been very good for a club. But it's yeah. do you want to talk about the Raiders now? Yes. This is Let me the box office event. What the fuck was that, Raiders? Honestly, how the fuck do you nearly <laughs> lose to Newcastle? Honestly, Newcastle have been bad since, like, round three when they lost to Penrith because some idiot tried to punch someone in the throat. Now we lose, nearly lose, and we only win by four points. You know, we were like the second, only the second game to not win by a cricket margin. This is, I thought we played atrocious. Jack Whiten didn't have the best night. However, Hudson Young, I love the bloke. Uh, Team Carry, last on Sunday night. Um, but no, we. I don't. In all seriousness, we did not play good. Like, we had a lot of errors, a lot of bad defensive reads. Um, our edges got found out so much, and usually the not, the Newcastle edges are like a poor. They don't know what to. Do. They they rarely score points in those edges. Dominic Young and Edric Lee have, were great for them. Um, Edric Lee is going to be something special at Dolphins, especially coming with Sean O'Sullivan and Milf. But I wasn't happy. Um, Coy Coy Horsburgh. We all know him as the big ringer. Um, Rocks and diamonds. Rocks and diamonds. But fuck. You are such a big man. Run it straight. Please. <laughs> do not run it to... Do not run it up and then change angles 45 degrees and run it like a second rower on the other end of the field. If you're going to do that, play second row. Because <laughs> honestly, I think Corey... Like I said it earlier, you need to be, some players are coached simply, some players are coached complex. He could be one road from rookie. Um, he'd be like, run it straight, don't go sideways all game, just run it straight. And then he'll do that. I reckon he'll do that, and I reckon he'll improve a lot by doing it. You know, Corey Horsburgh has been good in most games for us. But that yeah. whenever a prop does that, it fucking annoys me. Just... I, I think he obviously had his moments. Um, 
I obviously we we watched the game together. Uh he, he got himself on report twice. Oh fuck. Which, <laughs> it's not exactly what you want. Uh I but I think calm in that game too. You have not it, it's because I was in front of people. If it's yeah, Jake no. and I, I would have been oh, you could mm. Yeah, I can imagine. What I will say is his play at wall speed was pretty good. It was. Um, it was. As it was for Tapia, who is... Oh, that, that try is to White and was so good. Yeah, Tapia is one of the best props in the competition. Um, Zach Wolford played nine minutes. That's... Yeah, it was a star and he started uh, for the first time in like forever. Yeah. And yeah, that's not something that we usually see. Well, Starling, I thought he had an all right game. It's surprising to see him only run the 59 metres. But what I wanted to say was, I think the second half by Canberra was good. Oh, yeah. The rare times. The fact that we One won of, from, what was it, 24 to 8? Yeah. Well, you, the fact that you won in the second half. You know, it was it was twenty two to eight to the ninth at halftime. There was, you know, by all accounts, no one thought that Raiders were going to win this game uh, at that point. But we see, oh. we see what they did in that second half, and yeah, it was off quick play. The balls, good hit ups. And statistically, by the end of the game, they actually ended up dominating Newcastle in a lot of measures, believe it or not. Um, they had an average set distance of 50 metres versus Newcastle's 37.85. But what I really want to angle in on statistically is, like I said, the play the ball speeds. Yeah. Um, especially... Some of their key forwards, because if you look at Newcastle, they, let's see, Pasami Solo, Sasasu, they had a few bench forwards who came off. Brody Jones, who came off and had these sub three second play the balls. But for the Raiders, when your key players like Horsburgh, Tapani are all doing that, it lets guys play off the back of that so well. You know, quick, quick play the ball from a hit up by Tarpane. What that means is that the defensive line is staggered and a guy like Starling can either make the decision to go to Fogarty, who then goes to um, yeah, second row of Hudson Young, or they can go straight up for another one out here with Josh Papali'i. Mm-hmm. It's so effective. And it was one of those points where the Raiders, they were just still playing physical footy. They were building up the pressure, and it was great. It was great to watch in the second half. I actually enjoyed it. Uh, I agree that Whiten didn't play particularly well, but I think towards the end of the game, he started to turn it up more. And when he started doing that, you know, Whiten, he's one of the guys, when he plays well, the Raiders play well, I think. I think that's generally his shtick. And we saw that because he was the guy who scored that last try, who... You know, put them in front, basically. He made it 26-22. And that's where Fogarty went on and kicks the goal to make it 28-22. And that's your final score. 
So Jack won, despite his bad game, I think he was the game breaker off the back of a good performance by the Raiders forward pack. And I think it's sad that we won't get to see them play finals this year unless we... I got hope, see right? something. It may not sound Yeah, like okay, it, I've got hope. hope. The, we had yeah, Manlos to lose. And then Tigers. Yeah, and Broncos have Parramatta, so... Yes. That's... Okay, yeah, no, and, if that's... And then Rabbits also have Cowboys and Roosters. Yeah, well, I, I don't think you'll catch Rabbits. Uh, Hang on. It'll be fascinating to see if you do. Who, who does South Sydney have? I'm uh, not South Sydney. Uh, Roosters have this week. Storm, they have Storm, Storm and Eels. St- Storm and then Rabbits. Yeah, well, that's it's going to be a fascinating race. Hopefully we get over. I want to see the Raiders get it because I think they're played like a team that deserves to play finals footy. Um, um, Their form at the moment be a somber podcast if they don't make finals. Just yeah. Well, their form at the moment they've won four games and they've lost one. That's pretty good. Uh, they're starting to make their home ground something of a fortress again. Seven wins, four losses. Not that remarkably good, but. You know, it's fantastic to see that because, you know, we know how important home games are to the Canberra Raiders as a club. You know, it's special to a lot of teams. But when you see the rituals they bring in, you know, the Viking clap, the, yeah, you know, you know, (laughs) you know, when you're going down there that it's a tough fight. And I'm glad to see that it's becoming that again, because the Raiders, you know, they're just in their current form. I'm loving watching them play. Yeah, and look, when when Raiders are going good, I'm a happy man. Then they're not. We know that. We know that part. (laughs) I'm a salty man. It's true. I haven't ruled a Raiders jersey on the podcast like a couple of weeks now. So, jeez, that's. I was going to sad man. Good man. (laughs) Um, Good man. We, we accept it's Oh, that's cute. Anyways, do we have anything else to talk about except that Milford at Dolphins is going to be good next year and that um, is team carry? Well, that's... That's a shame because that's... Wait, did you say KP is team carry? Yes. What does that mean? KP carries that team. You listen to this and I'm laughing. It's because I have to edit something out that I shouldn't have said. Yeah, that was, um, it was funny. I don't know. Maybe one day we'll have like a Wait, you know, the big brother after dark thing or whatever it was, where I they have all the cutscenes. They made a memorial on the toilet door. You do know that, right? Surely not. They did. Please post that to the page. That is absolutely gold. I'll f- try and find it. But oh, when I saw it, I laughed and I'm like, oh my God. That's, oh. They, they created the dad in it, by the way. <laughs> Poor Andre. He's getting, oh, it's rough. That said, I don't think we're going to have a blowout round this round. Oh, God, if we do, that'll be so boring, in my opinion. Broncos, Eels. Eels. Storm, Roosters. Storm. Raiders. Oh, we're doing tipping. I, I'm just saying who's going to win. All right, tipping. Henrik, Warriors. Obviously, the Warriors. Um. SJ Clutch. Wait, did you see Raiders? The uh, 
rib wrestling that Nenar gave to Arcee? Hey, dude, that was massive. I thought and it was going to throw up. It, oh, it was massive. It's, it's this myth that Nenai isn't a good defender because he misses a lot of tackles. But he, I've spoken about well, he disrupts the plays so well of attacking teams. And not only that, but sometimes he lands those shots. And, mm. oh my God. Bro, that was... I've never want to be hit by this man. <laughs> you think him throwing footballs is bad. Oh. Wait until he's getting the full shoulders into I, that. Oh. I saw him before the game and I spoke to him about it. He he laughed and he said, I'm sorry. He's a Kirsten made up. No, because um, I was doing my thing on the field and then I was like, and they were talk and Hickey and him were talking and, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember. He's like, yeah, this guy. And I said the story and Hickey laughed. He's like, you're kidding. It's like, no. It's like, and then I was like, oh, bro, I'm sorry. But no, nah, then I was like, oh, oh the Nanai remembered it. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's gold. That's such a good story. Um, Nanai and Hikri, they've got to be some of my favorite cows at the moment. They're just such good blokes. Uh, I can confirm Luciana Leilua and uh, Peter Hiku are good mates. Yeah. Um, Luciana Leilua, I love him. He's so good. He's so good. He's just, oh, I'm absolutely loving this guy. He's such a good bloke. Um, he's he's quickly becoming one of my favorite Cowboys at the moment, not just through his on-field performances, but also just through he's such, oh, he's such a lovable character off the field. And you know, Jacob, uh, us and him have something in common, it appears. What does he have in common? Um, it appears that we love our fleet. We do. We do. We and do love our footy. With that, I think it's time to go. It might be. All right. So in that case, everyone, um, enjoy your footy. We love our footy. I will. Um, and with that. I absolutely will. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you very much.